Hello, this is Mark McDermott. And I'm Yuval David. And we're the filmmakers behind wonderfully made LGBTQ religion. And we are thrilled to be here on Yes, Jesus. Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints. I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another wonderfully made episode of Yes, Jesus. I'm Daniel Francesi, and I am here in Tel Aviv, live from the Tel Aviv LGBTQ International Film Festival with my international bestie. It's Azariah Southward. Yalla, 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 Azzy, because here at Yes, Jesus, we believe... God loves the art that we make. God thinks it's all pretty wonderfully made. <laughs> and so, yes, we're going to use that phrase over and over and over again this episode. It's our thing. So we're queer. We're here. Get used to it. That's fine. But right now, we're going to shake off all of the short films and movies that we've been watching because we've been watching movie after movie after movie and get right down to the queer Christian news. All right. We found this news from the CBC. So it is coming to us from the great North Canada. Oh my God, we have such an international show today, Azzy. I'm living. From coast to coast and around the world. We can actually say that now. We are here in Israel. Okay, well, tell me what's going on in old Canada. All right. Well, Sierra Dixon, a queer teenager in Regina. 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 Excuse me, Canada. I'm so sorry. I'm telling you, and you know, it rhymes. (laughs) Regina, it is. And I this know next that one, I'm not going to do any better on Saskatchewan. Regina, Saskatchewan, yeah. Was ambushed at her church. Actually, Saskatchewan is what I named my Regina. Just by, was oh, I, my God. Just... <laughs> All, right. All right. So, Sierra Dixon. She was ambushed at her church. Oh, no. So, this is, yeah, this is not. Oh, changing the mood. What happened? Yeah where she was volunteering to lead the kids club. So Mm. that's what she was doing there. And apparently Sierra walked into Evangelical Free Church Regina with a water bottle with a rainbow sticker that says, love has no limits. That sticker led to a confrontation with the children's group leader, where Sierra was told that being LGBTQ was demonic and she couldn't be allowed to be around children anymore. I heard that in my church growing up. Of course, Sierra was distraught and cried to her parents about it. And you know what the family did? They went into mama bear mode. They didn't stay silent, which is really powerful. Sierra's grandfather wrote a letter to the church council. Did it, Grandpa? Mm-hmm. The family has said that none of their kids are going to that church anymore. That's how you do it, allies. Mm-hmm. And they went to the media, which is why I'm seeing the story on CBC now. Boo to that church for your homophobic actions. But yay! To the family for surrounding Sierra with love and support, because that's what you do. Thank you, family, for not sweeping that under the rug. That's important. Abuelo comes through. Well, we hope that some affirming Christians and some affirming churches are rushing to provide this family with some welcome and spiritual support. And Sierra, remember, you are wonderfully made and your value deserves to be recognized and we are sending you tons and tons of love yes we are um wow what an amazing thing to have your family just rally around you when you're in a moment like that i mean uh we've all had our own moments where we're feeling persecuted whether it's because of our sexuality or our religion this is the intersectional show of that but it's but but we felt it on both ends of that spectrum and those moments where you have your friends and family just gather around you and just make you feel strong yeah um you know like i did with walsh university when all of you guys were here for me like that's that's kind of like an amazing um, and exceptional feeling. And we're just so grateful for that. That's something to be grateful for. As a matter of fact, 
What a great segue uh, <laughs> to my favorite portion of the show, which is the praise report and prayer request. This is where if you have like a little something extra that you want to hallelujah about, if you're like, God is, as in God is so good. <laughs> All the time. Won't he do it? He's taken our little show from my living room during the pandemic all the way here to Israel, where we're going yeah. to be experiencing the Holy Land together. Yeah. I mean, won't God do it? That is a praise report in itself. Um, if you have a praise report, if you're just like, God is so good, I can't keep it to myself. I have to tell everybody, well, let us know and we will hallelujah along with you. But also in the same regard, if you feel like something is so heavy, you feel like something's weighing on your shoulders, you're like, I don't know who to turn to. I've told my family, I've told my friends I need more support. Then let us know and we will add it to our prayer list and ask our listeners to pray along with you. We're going to start with one of those right now we have a prayer request coming right now as tell us who's from yeah this prayer request comes from rob rob says hi guys i just recently found your podcast and i love it question have you addressed the six major scriptures that are weaponized against us queers i listened to the leviticus ridiculous episode yet you didn't explain why people shouldn't believe what is written there i have a hard time explaining these scripture quotes to straights who use them against us also a prayer request, please. I'm an old gay man, super lonely with no gay community near me. Health is not good, so travel is out of the question. Please join me praying for the Lord to heal me of this awful loneliness. I know he can and have been praying for quite a few years about this, seeing no doors opening. Thanks. God bless you and your fab ministry. P.S. Danny, you are so adorable. <laughs> oh, um, well... Rob, I, first I want to say, in Leviticus Ridiculous, um, I think we did cover a lot of those things, but we can go a little deeper in, in a future episode, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of that text is antiquated. Um, people are arguing that you shouldn't mix silk with cotton and, yeah. and you can't eat shrimp and all these other things. And then just mm -mm, laying right in there is the one uh, phrase about gay people, which I believe, and a lot of scholars believe, was just a comment on Greco-Roman culture of the time. Yeah, um, people forget that the Jews were living amongst the Samaritans and that they were losing their identity. And so the Book of Laws, which is Leviticus, was written to help Jews keep their culture, maintain their identities, and know who, let their people know who they are. And so they saw what the Samaritans were doing, saying, this is not what we do. So, And we're going to write this down so it can be passed down. So that historical context has to be brought. Yeah, as well. and so, so definitely think about that. But I also want to talk to this point where um, you're feeling lonely and you feel like you don't have a, a community near you. Um, we're happy to be your community. We are happy um, for you to send us messages anytime you're feeling like you're not alone. But I understand that there's a need for more. There's a need for actual connection with human beings. The internet is an amazing resource for that. Um, there's lots of people out there that are also looking uh, for connection and uh, community. And so you can keep in touch with us here because we love being part of your community. We love you writing us and telling us your needs. Um, and we're here for you in that regard. But also look into, I don't know what city you're in or where you are, but um, LGBTQ centers are really great places for queer elders. Um, they d deal with that a lot. And a lot of times they can also do stuff with queer youth. Um, maybe there's a volunteering situation or something. And I know that you said that your health is not so great. So your traveling is an issue too, but um, your mind, you know, is very valuable too. Maybe there's things, things that you can help with in writing and things like that. And since you think I'm adorable, you obviously clearly have great taste. <laughs> so it also suggests um, looking into some art events. You know, if there isn't a queer place in your area, whenever there's art 
there are queer people. So um, if you're looking um, into maybe a local coffee shop that uh, puts up art when they have their new next exhibition or or perhaps even a library, um, there's a lot of places where uh, you can find queer people. Where there is art, there is queer people. But I just want to say God bless you, and we hope that you find what you're looking for, and we are always here for you. Amen. Well, we got a praise report. Ooh, hallelujah. We're going to hallelujah, <laughs> Yes, we do. Yes. We're hallelujahing from John today. John says he wants to uh, hallelujah about the thankfulness for the success of the first ever Drag and Spirituality Summit, which took place in Chicago. All right. And it's onward to SF next year. Wow, Drag and Spirituality Summit. That might be something that we might have to look into as we do it. Absolutely, yeah. Our friend Flamey Grant was part of that. So uh, we love that, and we're looking forward to supporting that San Francisco. Well, awesome. Uh, Shout out to Flamey Grant. And we're really excited um, that this that, that was a success. Um, let us know more about it. John, send us some more information, and we can highlight it even more. And I tell you what. Azzy and I have been um, going through it, uh, watching all Honey. of the movies and uh, sitting Honey. on planes for hours and Honey. hours and hours. So we have Listen our friend, to- <laughs> uh, Jay Bavaro, who's joining us here on this trip, uh, who is going to give Azzy a little bit of a rub down with the massage gun. <laughs> <laughs> I am not responsible for what happens once this massage begins. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about a praise report, his back has been hurting. He flew the center seat. Can you believe that? For all of y'all, he flew the middle seat. Uh, to the Holy Land. <laughs> and I had to sit next to a libertarian who wanted to tell me how great Carrie Lake was. I was like, no, sir, she is not. Oh, she's, a, she's an election denier. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, uh, she is. Have, she had an event um, recently, like a rodeo kind of like oh, event. Oh, I, I signed up for the tickets. I yeah, saw your I thing. I signed up for her tickets <laughs> yeah. and didn't show up. I had a, you had to put in a phone number. And so <laughs> I, I got yours. A, I, you bastard. I, I got a Google voice number because I was like, I don't want these bitches to have my number. <laughs> But, oh. <laughs> I didn't, I, well, actually, yeah. I did put my number, I think, and then I just blocked her. You, 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 <laughs> when she messaged me, and finally, it's like looking forward to seeing y'all. I was like, <laughs> nope, Next. no, ma'am, no, spam. Um, well, listen, this has been a blessing. That has so been a blessing, but, you, uh, but you, so is the word. Uh, so we'll be right back after um, Azzy's massage with the scripture. Oh, yeah. Hey, yes, Jesuits, if you love listening to the podcast as much as we love making it, we'd like to ask you to support the show however you can. We have launched a Buy Me a Coffee page where you can make a one-time contribution to keep the show running. And if you really, really, really love us, please consider becoming a monthly sponsor. Links to Buy Me a Coffee and becoming a monthly sponsor are in our show notes and on our website, yesjesuspod.com. If you can't donate right now, please, please consider leaving us a review on Apple and Spotify podcast, following us on social media, and sharing us with a friend. All of these things help us to bring you new episodes. So, to all the zaddies and mama bears and everyone out there who already subscribes and support us, thank you so much. We seriously could not do this without you. And now, without further ado, on to the show. Okay, Azzy, it's my turn to get a massage. And we are back with the scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. Oh my gosh. Let me just take a moment just to reflect. <laughs> on the good, on the things of the Lord. <laughs> on the things of the Lord. I rebuke you, muscle pain, in the name of Jesus. Spasms be gone. Spasms be gone. Azzy, take us into the scripture of the day. Yes, the scripture today comes to us from Psalm 139, 14. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. Yes. Oh, soul food. Uh, greetings from the Tel Aviv International LGBT Film Festival. This was incredible. Um, I was invited here uh, to be a juror. I received the honorary award, which I'm quelling. I'm very excited <laughs> that that's happening. Um, I, you know, being a juror means that I have the job of watching movies all day long, short movies all day long. I am judging gay shorts, which is also what I'm going to do next week at Bear Week. Um, <laughs> but right now, <laughs> this is a whole different kind of thing. Um, it's very difficult to be jet lagged and watch movies in a dark room, but they're so entertaining that I have been riveted. <laughs> Dark room. Um, yes, and I have opinions on them because I am what a professional. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just here to be fabulous. You can't see it, but I'm doing hair flip. <laughs> well, you're doing a fantastic job at that, Azzy. And of course, all of the films here at the Tel Aviv International LGBTQ Film Festival are queer in some way. But, you know, there are a few that have a very Christian focus. Mm -hmm. And one of those films is Mama Bears. We talked to director Darisha Kai with Mama Bears and Sarah Cunningham a few episodes ago. Now, Mama Bears is playing here at the festival, but we aren't here to talk about Mama Bears. You can hear that whole conversation in an earlier episode. For this episode, we are talking about the film Wonderfully Made, a beautiful exploration of the tension between LGBTQ identity and Catholic faith. To talk to us about Wonderfully Made is the director, Yval David, and the real-life inspiration, the muse, if you would, behind the film Wonderfully Made, Mark McDermott. Hello, and welcome to Yash Yes, we're... Thrilled to be here. I will also say both of you are, are so wonderfully made, but wonderfully playful. It was very hard for me to stay silent listening to everything you were doing. I wanted to join in and play. I'm no longer silent, by the way. <laughs> you are unsilenced here. I am unsilenced. And uh, my, my husband, uh, Mark McDermott, yes, he's sitting right next to me, not only is he, was he the inspiration for this project? He's also the executive producer of the film and the art project that really inspired the need to create a film about how we can use art as representation. We couldn't just create an, uh, a, a new Catholic iconography representing Jesus as a member or ally of the LGBTQ community. Um, I, I guess you could say, yes, I'm a bit of a size queen. And I said, we can't only create art. We needed to create a film as well. Uh, and first I pitched it to Mark saying we would do a, maybe like a five to 10 minute short film documentary about the behind the scenes creation of this new art representing LGBTQ people in a way that Mark struggled to create. And uh, that was the pitch that was accepted. But slowly but surely, this project kept uh, growing and increasing in size, which is exciting for everybody. And it ended up becoming a 95-minute documentary feature. Yeah, well, I want to get to the heart of the film in a bit, but I think the premise of the film is incredibly sweet. Uh, you are Jewish and very proud of being Jewish, uh, but you said that you made this film because of your husband's Catholic faith, like it's a gift. Um, tell us about how your husband inspired the film. Well, it truly started out, I remember walking into Mark's desk area in our apartment in New York, and I was seeing him search for stuff online, and he was looking at these images, and he found photos that kind of spoke to him, and doing a, a basic Google search, but nothing was quite right. 
And we had this whole conversation about it. Mark was saying, yeah, I'm trying to really find something that speaks to me. And this conversation actually lasted for multiple days. He kept looking for something. And finally I said, why don't you stop looking? Let's create it. You married an artist. Yes, I'm in an actor, host, filmmaker, which is how I explore my art. But I know people who we could gather together to create something that not only would be for you, but it would be for people like you. Mm -hmm. Because through all the LGBTQ advocacy that I do and that Mark does as well, we see so many people who have a need. And if one LGBTQ person has a specific need, that means there's a community of other people who have the need. And that's how it really started. I wanted my husband to have what he needed and also reach out to others who might have the same need. I think that that's completely beautiful. I mean, it's like New York City roaches. If there's one, there's millions. You know, if there's, <laughs> if there's a problem, you know, you've got um, to you get to know that you're not the only one with the problem, especially in a large city uh, like that. And of course, uh, the world. Mark, I want to ask you, what was it like to have an entire film created around your faith? Uh, well, that's a very good question. Um, believe it or not, I didn't really think of it all as being created necessarily about me or anything of the sort, but I guess a bit was the is a launching point. But in terms of a film about my faith, it started first and foremost with my frustration with the fact that for 1,700 years, the icon of Jesus has been portrayed one way. Mm-hmm. White, blue-eyed, blonde hair, and presumably straight. But Jesus from Texas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you're from, from Norway. Uh, right, yeah. N- Northern, Northern Europe. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, in Catholicism, you know, we are statues, we are paintings, we are art. Uh, we're all about that kind of thing. And everywhere you look in almost any church, that's what you see. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, wow, what if we somehow did a something that would be a gay Jesus or LGBTQ Jesus? You don't see that in Catholicism. And in fact, the formal doctrine is very much against uh, LGBTQ people, despite what a lot happens in a lot of churches where there's a lot more acceptance, the formal doctrine is actually very, very negative. So I knew we were going to do something as this developed, probably shake a few people's foundations, but I figured that's okay too. Absolutely. Some of them need to be shaken. But you know, that's something that Mark being very connected to his Catholic faith, my being connected to my Jewish faith, but beyond that, I see things from a socio-political activism perspective. And if there are people who have a need and the leadership isn't doing it, it's the responsibility of the people to do something about it, not just wait for the leadership. And in this documentary, we ended up turning the cameras on ourselves, mostly on Mark, because I found it so compelling to see what he was going through through this project, the discomfort, the awkwardness, the moments that it was excited, the aha moments. It was so beautiful to have my husband experience this and I had to turn the cameras on him to to show that, to show the power that instead of only looking at a priest and a nun and even the Pope as holier than him, I said, they, my perspective, and I even said it multiple times, is they are no holier than you are. You are just as holy as they are. You are just as wonderfully made. And Mark, tell me if you disagree, but I feel like I saw a shift in the way you started to deal with religious 
leaders, religious uh, oh, heads no, of I congregations. St- I still bow and scrape to all of them. I you was still a, bow I was, and scrape? I was an altar boy. You're never going to shake that. Um, no, I did some, uh, absolutely. And we'd invite these people over for dinner and, and, and talk to them about the project. And I think it, it, it almost, I don't know, it, it, to me, I saw it as humanizing these people to you beyond the connections that you'd already had with them. Well, because for years, the Catholic Church, since it's, I grew up Pentecostal, so correct me if I'm wrong at all, but like the Catholic Church controlled who could read the Bible. Um, and it's, it's like a system of hierarchy kind of, you know? And so for you to, like, I love that idea of like bringing that understanding. And I'm curious to hear like what your experience was with that, that there is not a hierarchy to reach God, but rather a personal connection that you also have. And you have that same phone that you can pick up to talk to God as the Pope does. Was that something that you experienced and learned in that moment? Or is that something that you always felt? No, it took a long time to figure out um, to be more specific for most of my life, it was this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did, I never read the Bible until really the last handful of years. I just See, that's the most remarkable thing to me because I feel... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> and I'm married true. to you. Well, a lot of Catholics say that often. You know, well, there are no Bibles in the Catholic Church. They're just yeah, not see, there. To me, like, it, it takes away such the, the biggest service of the Bible because I always think the Bible is uh, something for us to learn about the, the, the examples of the, of the people who lived back then. And then it's also something as maybe a guideline for the future because, like, a lot of the big mistakes were made early on. And then I think also, um, but and ultimately, in my personal opinion, it's a reflective text. Like when you read it, it is your perspective. It is your. It is. It, it, it suits you for your life. It, it it does things for you. And so for you to have that main function of the Bible taken away from you, like it seems like that. No, I, mean, I, I understand the confusion. Well, in, the, in Catholicism, the idea, the theory, is that it's a complex book, right up there with Shakespeare, and you need somebody to kind of translate some of it to you, which I think is actually true because. I can read something and it'll bounce right off my forehead. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is more schooled in it than I am, give me, give me the perspective. That is helpful. Now, I said that I've undergone a bit of a change. I did a silent retreat with my Jesuit spiritual director in July, and I'll never read the Bible the same way again mm-hmm. because he kind of opened it up in a way where it now speaks to me that didn't for the last 55 years of my life. What was the aha moment that the spiritual advisor um, opened it up for you? Like, what was the thing that you were like, oh, this is for me. Like, I can now read this. Like, what, do you, was there a moment? Was there a specific thing he said? It was actually a piece of scripture I stumbled across. It's, it's in the last uh, chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66. And if I can remember the words, it is, and this is where God was speaking to me. This is the man to whom I will look. He who was upright and walks in fear of the Lord. And I'm kind of paraphrasing around the exact words, but he was saying to me, you are upright and you, you fear the Lord. And not, not in an afraid sense, but you know, you respect the Lord. Um, and it sort of spoke to me because I'm good at really beating myself up. And I was going through a period of beating myself up, still do, like a good Catholic. <laughs> and um, so I needed that little voice there to sort of straighten me out. You know, my wonderful mother, Barbara, has a quote that says, if you have too much of the word, you'll dry up. If you have too much of the spirit, you'll blow up. But if you have a balance of the word and spirit, you'll grow up. And so I, th- I think mm, that's... I like that one, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. 
sounds like that moment with your silent retreat with your Jesuit priests brought that for you. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that. For me, my, I went to a Jewish day school uh, from kindergarten through 12th grade. And one of the exciting things about religious studies there were we also read the Bible as literature. We followed and tried to find character development and analyzed the words. Why were the words used? And firstly, we studied it in Hebrew and the original language that the, the Bible was written. And then we looked at other translations of the Bible and started to speak about what was lost, what was mistranslated. Wow, and it allowed me to be able to look at the Bible not as, that's it, it's written, that's how it must be, is to recognize that I as the reader, I as the audience and the receiver of these words can make it what what I need it to be mm-hmm. and to find the meaning in that and treat it as a work of art, as literature. Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize after I graduated from uh, high school there and started to meet more and more people of different faiths and speak about the religion, I recognized that I had a very different perspective on religion and God, where God for me uh, maybe is a woman, maybe is a they, maybe is a thing, maybe is an alien, maybe is earth, maybe is one of my favorite names for God in the Bible is Ruach HaChaim, which means the, the, the wind of life or the spirit of life. And I remember early on in our relationship with Mark, I, we would talk about that. And I think you really connected to it. In fact, you even used that in, in our wedding ceremony, Ruach HaChaim. Because when we feel God, it's that magic. It's when we connect with somebody, whether we know them or we don't know them, or, or, or that, that, that energetic feeling when you're in a congregation. And that's the wind of, of life. That's the spirit of life. So anyway, that's a, a perspective that I, I had and was very... I love that. When you talked about, about God being alien or a woman or whatever, one of the things that really blew my mind were, uh, that I've learned doing this podcast was the he pronoun for God as a capital he, capital H, because it's, it's a pronoun reserved only for God. It's genderless. Like we use he because, you know, um, he's the father, but, it's, but it, it is not a he man, he woman. It is just he. Like, so I think that um, to know that the capitalization uh, gives a, a, a reserve pronoun only for God. I think that that's such a, that blew my mind. That was like, of course God is genderless. Of course God is above gender and all of that because he doesn't have a corporal being. So it's sort of like to do that is to simplify God to like the point of man, you know, that. And also we had uh, one time we had a podcast share where we had a different podcast on, but we had Yvette Flounder uh, speaking who said something that I can never shake, which was, um, the greatest disservice that man ever did to the Bible was put a back cover on it. Just because men were done writing doesn't mean God was done talking, you know? And I feel like with the way the world has changed and with everything that's happening, there's still messages out there for us to receive. And, you know, we're not going to receive them if we are not looking, if we're relying on someone else to teach us an antiquated text without telling us what it means for today and what it means for each each of us personally. I, I, I love, I love that. Uh, the biggest sin was putting a back cover on it, was canonizing it. Who, decide, who decided to create the canon? What were the other texts that were out there? Mm-hmm. Now, when you speak of the capitalization, again, I think of the fact that I've read the Bible in different languages. In Hebrew, there is no capitalization. They're all the same. They're, they're all caps or they're not caps. I mean, there's no, there's no, yeah. Why is she typing in all caps? Why is she typing in all caps? That's why we yell a lot, because it's all caps. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there are times that, that in, in Hebrew uh, and in the Greek and in the, the Latin versions, God is referred to as a he, as a she, mm-hmm. as a they, mm-hmm. as a them in past tense. God is referred to as a, as a past tense and a future tense and a present tense, which is why Yehovah, Jehovah, has in the word, it has avar hovevatid. It has the past, the present, and the future in the name because God is always here. And that's what Jehovah actually means. Yeah, let's talk about the two parts that are in this film. One part focuses on the struggles that LGBTQ people face with the church. You interview some LGBTQ advocates, priests, parents, and also just talk about the ways that the Catholic Church has persecuted LGBTQ people. Um, But then you explore this devotional practice of creating queer Catholic iconography. So it was very organic. We started with the idea of the art. Uh, and then moved into the idea of making a documentary about the art. But then we decided we have to have some voices in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began with a few folks that I know. I actually know everybody in the film and work closely with Father James Martin on a website that oh. we launched together in May 1 of this year. Okay. It's devoted to LGBTQ Catholic matters. So it, it happened kind of that way or organically. And it was really Yuval's idea to structure the film the way we did, mm-hmm. where um, it's really about starting with this idea of the art and then ending the way it does, where we have some, some of the art revealed. And then that's the narrative arc of it. But then you really do need to hear from expert theologians about iconography and also about the words in the Bible that are very, and, and, and actually really more Catholic dogma, I should say, that is very anti-LGBTQ. So that's how they came to be just in terms of their evolution, those two parts. Yeah, I'm, Ita- I'm Italian descent. But it's always even been like um, just a funny thing that people always say that like, oh, there's always, you know, five kids and one of them's the priest, you know, or, or one daughter is the nun. And it always seemed to be sort of a place where the LGBTQ child went. Get thee to a nunnery. If, if a woman didn't, if a girl didn't want to be married off or didn't want to do what women were expected to do, they were sent to a nunnery. And if a, if a boy, same thing, was too soft or too different, he'd be perfect for the priesthood. So sensitive, right? But see, that's part of the reason why I do believe that in uh, Catholicism, priests and nuns live a life of celibacy because it was just a, t- oh, that's a perfect way. Because I know that um, I when I was in the closet, I always went for the, the girl that was the virgin. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it was easier. Sex. It was easier. Yeah. It was an easier way for me to cover what I didn't want to get into, you know? So one time um, our freaking deacon, Ross Murray, who's our producer, um, was reminding me when we were talking about this, that the iconography a lot of times, well, why do you think that Catholic churches have like these amazing uh, velvet and incense and and stained glass windows? It's because it's the gays. Like, right. It was the queers who brought in their art. I, I used to work in Christian television. And Rich, uh, where, where, where did you work in Christian television? So I had a show that was syndicated on TBN, Paul and Jan. And NRB Network and VTN, but um, as this fabulous uh, moment of distinction is, he's the first uh, Christian professional from like TBN to come out of the closet, and hence like lost his entire Christian career with that, you know. Um, and uh, that's why we say on the show here, he's reclaiming his pride. <laughs> yeah. Well, my friend was Jan Crouch's personal assistant whenever she was uh, at the Nashville studios, and he felt like he needed to come out to her, and because 
he was pretty fabulous. And, and she um, had lavender hair, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. And his aunt ran the studios in Nashville. And so he was afraid that something might happen if he doesn't tell her, right? And she told him, she said, oh, honey, if all of the gays at TBN quit, TBN would shut down. And because it's true, like the, the art in the Catholic Church, the iconic. Well, okay. let me, for those of us who aren't Catholic, can we talk about the importance of iconography? Like, what does that mean? Okay, so what is iconography? Iconography is the humanization of these spiritual forms of these, of these uh, saintly people. Now, why is iconography important? Iconography within Catholicism, and Mark cut me off whenever, uh, iconography is important because it allows people to see themselves, to see somebody like them, especially within Catholicism when we already addressed how many people didn't actually or don't actually read the Bible. It gives them something to look at, and that's art. That's the power of art. And we see it in other faith traditions. In Judaism, we see a lot of uh, stained glass. Uh, we see the, the, the cover of the Torah scrolls, these ornate things. The, the, the yad, it's this, because you're not supposed to touch the Torah scrolls and sell it with your hands. You have this little wand, right? A, a silver wand, and that's what you use to follow as you read in the Bible or in, in the Torah scrolls. And in Islam, they have these ornately, very mathematic and geometric designs. So I can keep going with Buddhism, all of these faiths. Art is really important to allow people to feel all the feels, to see themselves, to go on a journey. Well, if you just talk about God, the, the perception or idea that most people have is something up in the sky that's vague. Mm -hmm. And iconography brings it down to the human level and if you are Christian, you believe God became a human being. Mm -hmm. And as one of the uh, theologians in our film says, when you are a believer, the idea is to have a personal relationship with this thing we call divinity. It's tough to do it when it's just an abstract idea. It's a lot easier to do it when you have a visualization. Something you can something, see, right? something you can touch. I mean, my shirt that I'm wearing today. Get it, Daddy. I mean, it's not... I'm saying Daddy because it's what's Jesus. on his shirt. For <laughs> right. the listeners, I'm not calling him Daddy. I'm but, sure. No, it's a picture of Jesus with pink, a pink lettering that says Daddy, yeah. Right, and it's not a historically accurate Jesus on it, but the iconography of it, you know, brings the brings it to... Like yeah, it helps to give you something to look at. It's kind of like when I'm doing pirouettes, I needed something to spot. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and that's what that's what this is, this is about. So you asked us about the film that we... We have, as Mark described, the narrative arc, which was the from the idea all the way up until the the final production of this new iconography representing Jesus as a member or ally of the LGBTQ community, represented by uh, by nine very diverse. LGBTQIA plus models who, as you know, many times when you take a photo of somebody, they can look like different people. I mean, it looks like we have a few dozen people based on, on the artistry there. So that is the narrative arc. Then throughout the film, we interview people who've dedicated their lives to this specific intersection to, uh, to help them, to represent them, or to just understand what it actually means to be LGBTQ and religious and LGBTQ and Catholic specifically. So for me, especially since Mark already knew a lot of these people, and that's how we brought them in, uh, 
I didn't only want to speak to them as leaders. I wanted to speak to them and interview them as the director of this film, as human beings, so the audience could relate and not just say, ooh, here's a priest who's so much more special than me, or a nun who's so much more special than me, or an ambassador to the Vatican. Wow. I wanted to talk to them about their thoughts and their emotions and their feelings so the audience can just see themselves not just in the artistic iconography, but they, they could see themselves within these characters, within these real people, the interviewees. Mark, where do you see the Catholic Church going? It's a little unclear. Right now we are halfway through a two-year process that Pope Francis directed called a synod, S-Y-N-O-D. And it's basically a bottoms-up review of the church where the laity have a chance to speak. And for the first year, parishes around the world have been having listening sessions where parishioners get to show up and talk about issues that are important to them. And these sessions have turned into written outlines or summaries, and they've kind of flowed uphill now for the last few months. And it's no shock that one of the number one agenda items is the church's attitude towards LGBTQ people. Now, in the coming year, the bishops will meet, and they will do what bishops do, and I'm not sure what that is. It's going to be in a magic closed door, whatever the case may be. Will anything come out of that to actually change? I'm skeptical that it will. But that's sort of the answer to your question is where I think we're going. But also wanted to give you that overlay of what's actually happening on the ground right now. We had this outburst uh, with Walsh University, a Catholic university um, in Ohio, uh, that uh, when um, – the Pope had said that the uh, Catholic Church would no longer support same-sex marriage, or definitely never has and never would, like, have marriages in the church. Uh, they fired me from hosting their pageant, which, like, I, because I, I knew it was because I was LGBTQ. It happened within hours of that announcement, uh, but they claimed for all these other reasons or whatever. But all the students had an uprising. It, it gave them power to speak uh, because they had been trying for nine years to get an LGBTQ safe space for students to meet in the school. It didn't happen, but they had what you're describing. They had a listening session. Um, uh, which sounded so familiar and rung, rung true to me when you said that. And, you know, uh, the dean of the school listened to everybody, but still, you know, it's been now what, two or three years and they haven't um, even acknowledged the paperwork that they submitted for the LGBTQ program. But, I, you know, I think they think that if people exhaust themselves talking, uh, maybe they'll just get tired or, you know. The, the, there's a great study that the Pew Center did on Catholic attitudes around the world towards LGBTQ people. And by overwhelming majorities in Europe, North and South America, people want the church to be more accepting and to recognize uh, LGBTQ marriages. There is only so long that the men in red are going to be able to hold out against all this. And as I like to say when I'm doing outreach, which I do around the country to parishes uh, all over the U.S. and abroad about these issues, the genie is out of the bottle. Okay, And it's not going to get stuffed back in. Everybody can ignore it. Yeah. It's not going to go away. Yuval, uh, you want this film to be the first in a series. I, I mean, I love the title, LGBTQ plus our religion. Like, where do you want to take this series next? The vast majority of anti-LGBTQ legislation, laws, beliefs are on the basis of what? Religion. Yeah. So if we can look to religion as the root cause of these, I think that's when we can create the the life for LGBTQ people that we're fighting for and working towards and striving for within the LGBTQ movement. I really think we're more of a movement than a community, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to digress there. So 
looking at the intersectional identity of LGBTQ and, and, and religious identity is something that's so important for us. And not only to change religion to be more accepting of LGBTQ people, but f- to make sure that religious communities recognize that we're already there. Just like our foremothers and forefathers used to say at pride marches long ago, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. I mean, as a little kid, I remember my, my, my mom taking me to pride marches and hearing people say that. And that's what we need to say to these religious communities. Hey, guess what? Whether you like us, love us, you know, hate us, whatever, mm-hmm. we're already here. We're already part of your communities. But then let's look at the other side of that table to remind LGBTQ people that there are people of faith within this LGBTQIA plus movement, and it's okay to be of faith. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would tell somebody, I went to Shabbat services, Friday night services at the synagogue, and they would look at me funny. But if I would say, oh, I went to a, a bunch of bars or went on Grinder or whatever it is, they would look at me like it's totally normal. So our LGBTQ movement is seeking tolerance and acceptance and representation, but we also must tolerate, accept, and represent faith, even though religion has affected us so much. So that's what this series will will and can do, depending on how successful this first film is, looking at every denomination of every faith. I think it was the Marin Foundation based out of Chicago that did a large survey in the U.S. that uh, found, I don't know the exact number, but it's something like 85% of LGBTQ people come from faith-based backgrounds. So, I mean, we are part of those communities, absolutely. And for most of us, unfortunately, lose those communities when we choose to live the life that God... And why should you lose it? I mean, it's it's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. No matter how you explore your identity, there, there is a fluidity in identity. And that's something that we focus on as queer people. That's why I, I use the term queer. I used to use the term gay and bi about myself. Mm-hmm. But queer makes more sense because mm-hmm. the way I define it, there is that fluidity. Mm-hmm. And religion needs to have that same fluidity. Absolutely. What is your connection to God? Yeah. What is God's pronouns? What, 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 are, what are your pronouns when it comes to your faith? And allowing it to change. Yeah. Absolutely. So, wonderfully made. Where can people see this? Because not everyone's here in Tel Aviv. Not everybody's here in Tel Aviv. Although they all should come to Tel Aviv because it is so fabulous. Not only are the people really good looking as we've already spoken about, including the people in the studio who I've already said, I will go on. The minute you all of you walked in, I thought all of you are Israeli. The food is great. The culture is great. It's an, it's. The food is unbelievable, by the way, and the men are gorgeous, and I am hungry. And For men so and food? Like, all the time. All the time. It's like, some of some of the people here, I feel like saying, can you tone it down with the gorgeousness? I was like, just stop. Like, I can't you handle it. No lies detected. Oh, my gosh. Um, so where can people see it? Yeah. Where, where can people follow to see it when it's available? So uh, first of all, uh, you can follow us across all social media, wonderfully made movie, uh, wonderfully made film, wonderfully made LGBTQ plus R. Uh, and, and I can give you the exact links as well. Please do. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll add it in the show notes for our Yes Jesuit listeners. Please add it in the show notes because you know what? 
this is an advocacy film. It is art as advocacy. The, the art itself, but the film as art. It's meant to create change, and it requires, truly requires, an audience to be the community of collaborators who can help us get the word out. So how can people see it? By following, by sharing, by liking, by reposting the social media. Uh, we're currently in the film festival circuit. We're also currently setting up uh, impact screenings. What is an impact screening? An impact screening is, gosh, I'm talking like Mark now. He always sets up I'm statements with a question. <laughs> no, I know, but this is something that Mark does, and now I find that I do it. He'll ask a question and then answer it, and I love it. I just found myself <laughs> doing it. So what is an impact screening? This is what Mark says. An impact screening is a screening that will create impact. So it's community screenings uh, showing the film and the art to different community groups, whether they're church groups or schools or universities, LGBTQ centers. Uh, and in the meantime, if we can attract the attention of the powers that be within the industry, the, the Netflix, the Amazon, the Hulu, the Apple Plus, because I think, and Mark can talk about this a lot since it bothers you, Mark, is you feel often that religion isn't focused on enough. And if we can show that this film has an audience, that there is an audience that needs this specific subject matter, just like your podcast, yeah. there's an audience that needs it. Yes. Well, I mean, there are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world, two and a half billion Christians in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, even if a very tiny percentage of those people want to see this film, it's still a great big number. Yeah. Um, I don't know, is, is religion picked up in media? I, I don't know for sure. Um, I guess from one, one way to answer that is I always, whenever I see a film that depicts a priest, it's always negative. Never depicted in a positive Or in a way. horror movie. Or in a horror movie. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that's not really accurate either. Uh, and once I would just like to see a film that actually celebrates or portrays a priest in a positive way, because I know some of them who really actually are. Uh, yes. So, you know, maybe from that standpoint, you can say, is there some sort of anti-religion bias? I don't know for sure. I never want to go, want to go quite that far. But at least on that's one example. I think, yeah, there kind of is a little bit. Understanding that the, that the priestly class has actually asked for it, and we all know how and why many times over. But they're, they're not all like that. Well, um, we want to just say thank you for putting this beautiful piece of art together. It really combines devotion and the conflict LGBTQ people face in the church in a very stunning way. And I know we speak on behalf of all three of us actors in the room. Um, if you ever need any voice work or anything, uh, we would happy to contribute um, to your project. This sounds like such an amazing movement, and we're so grateful to have you here. Um, everyone who's listening, your tithe, love offering, charity, active good this week. Yes, films about LGBTQ people of faith need your support. Keep watching them, streaming them, and sharing them with your family and friends. This might be the one that reaches your devoutly Catholic aunt, so share it with her. You know, you may have followers, but if your followers are not actively engaging with each other, learning from each other, and vibing regularly, then you don't have a community. So please reach out to us. Reach out to Also Wonderfully Made. We, we want to know who you are. We want to feel your presence. And you can find us uh, on Instagram at Wonderfully Made Movie, on Twitter at uh, 
wonderful underscore made underscore. You know how it is. It's hard to get the names. And on Facebook at uh, wonderfully made LGBTQ religion. That was the one place we could fit all the characters we wanted. Please do reach out to us. Connect with us. Connect with the film. And as you guys just said, there are people who, who need this and could be helped and supported and saved by it. Um, something actually to add, I know that you're like doing a lot of a wrap up here. We even had people as part of the production who came out to their families merely by being involved in the production. Mm-hmm. One of our models, I'm sure one of the, the models was kicked out by his family at age 13 mm-hmm. because he's queer. And he reached out to his family and let them know that he's playing Jesus. And he, I, he was so moved by being able to say that. Um, and we had other people as part of the production who explored their queerness. It opened up their eyes and it opened up their eyes to, to faith. And then we have had people who reached out to us on social media who are coming out to their families or trying to engage their families in those difficult conversations by using the art and using this film. And we haven't even been uh, shared with on all these public platforms yet. We're merely only in the film festivals. So I find that amazing. I'm excited to see the work that it does. On that same vibe, I'd love for you to lead us in prayer. Um, I'd like to ask everyone who's listening to please uh, bow your heads unless you're driving because Jesus can actually take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But please uh, start us off. Well, my, my prayer is a prayer of peoplehood, of the power that we have as people to be as religious as we want to be, to take back the word religion, because somebody who goes to church or synagogue or mosque every day isn't more religious than we are, or somebody who reads all the texts isn't more religious than we are. If we can connect to the faith and to the beauty of faith, that is what religious is. That is what the spirituality is. And I I pray for all of you to feel your own heartbeat and the depth of your breath and the strength of your embrace and share it with all others whenever you can, especially when they obviously are in need of that loving support. And we'd like to lift up films like Wonderfully Made. We need more faithful LGBTQ stories and faithful LGBTQ art in this world, ones that weave together the deep, deep devotion and artistry and creativity along with the struggle because the struggle is real. Uh, We'd like to pray for LGBTQ Catholics and Jews who are working together to make this a better world. And we'd like to pray for Sierra in Canada and their whole family. Give them comfort and strength and community, a community who loves and values them as a beloved creation that they are. And Mark, do you have a, a prayer that you would have for the Catholic Church or a prayer in general? Just a short prayer and observation. I'm trying to find what the gospel reading was, I believe it was yesterday from Luke. Very short message in there, and we hear this one a lot. It's actually in several of the Gospels. It's a little bit of a warning Jesus gives. Those who are first shall be last, and those of you who are last shall be first. That's something that's forgotten in our society an awful lot. And the way I interpret it is there's a message there for people who get marginalized a lot. You are really the ones to be held up first. That's the example that um, he tried to give, and it's also the word that our society too often forgets. So I ask that in the name of God, all of us try to remember that. 
Yes, and open up the hearts of Evangelical Free Church Regina. They need to heed the message on Sierra's water bottle that love has no limits. Speaking of community, we pray that Rob also finds community. It's hard being alone, and we were made to be in community with one another. Help him find his people and his tribe that he can talk with, laugh with, pray with. And we also give thanks for the ongoing ministry of Drag and Spirituality Summit. Let the spirituality and the drag continue to grow. Amen. Thank you so much, Yaval and Mark, for joining us. Please make sure you check out Wonderfully Made. Um, we will have all of the places that you can find Wonderfully Made um, in the show notes. Um, and you can always reach out to us if you can't find it. Uh, we absolutely appreciate you and lift you up. And we hope that this movie goes everywhere it needs to go. And I already know that you are going to change minds and save lives. So I just really appreciate all that you've done to put, because I know making any movie is a miracle, but this truly is a, is, a, is a modern day miracle to get something like this out there. So I would say it is lots of, I guess, definitely miracles, but blood, sweat, and tears. Miracles happen when we put our effort. If you, you hear it, guys, if you want to see this movie out there, uh, please tweet Netflix, tweet Hulu, tweet Amazon, Tweet all of the different streamers. Tweet whatever streamer you have and ask them, say, I want to see the movie Wonderfully Made. When are you getting Wonderfully Made? Amen. The boot house down. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for joining us today um, on Yash Jesus. Thank you, God. Just, I just want to take a little moment to say thank you, God, for this incredible opportunity to be broadcasting live from Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about live, but, uh, but being alive Recording. in yeah. Israel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fantastic. And we're so happy to be able to bring you this special show with these special people. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Yash Jesus. You can find us on social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at yashjesuspod.com. Now, if you like the show, please quote unquote buy us a coffee. It's like a fake thing where we don't actually drink coffee, but we use it to pay all of the stuff that we do to do this show. So buy us a coffee, a coffee, and consider becoming a monthly sponsor. That's the major one. You can do that and find the links how to do that in the show notes where you can also find out where to find one we made. Now, if you haven't yet, please leave us a review. Five star, my friend, okay? Or share us with a friend. Doing so helps us reach new people and keep the show running. So get it done. Yalla, yalla, yalla. Yalla, yalla, yalla. You can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, yasjesuspod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show. So drop us a line, sweetie, and send us recording on yasjesuspod.com. Yeah, send us your praise reports. Send us your prayer requests. Send us your episode ideas, your guest ideas, or even just a yes, I can. <laughs> uh, we would love to hear from you. Yash Jesus is hosted by me, uh, Danny Francesi. And Azariah Southworth. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Huckman. Our show is produced by the freaking Deacon Ross Murray and Meredith Polly. And we are streaming and screaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And whether you can say iconography or not, God loves you just as you are. That's right. Get to the praying. Yalla, yalla, yalla. And keep praising the Lord, y'all. Yeah.